company for their lives. I am the Max. Let's go home. You once were a vegan, but now you will be gone. This is pretty Dracula. This is pretty extreme. <laughs> Dracula <wrestled in> <laughs> So wait, Dracula's power has origin in this yeah. one. It's amazing. <laughs> Dracula made Alec Holland in something. Oh my gosh. Is this before <laughs> uh wait. Is this during Alan Moore's run? No, the, 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 the comic actually, his run actually came out of this cartoon. Wow, seriously? Because they wanted to promote the, the cartoon more, so they were like, okay, let's just get the comic up. Let's do this really dark existential series with Alan Moore. Is that his name? What's that song? It, it's not Louie Louie, is it? It's like, I don't know. Louie Louie. I, oh, I think it's pretty hilarious. We gotta go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, welcome to... Uh, Panel Frequency, you're gonna do the intro. Yeah, but Swamp Thing kinda stole it, man. No, but you're still doing it. I'm still doing the intro? Yes. It's my job? Yes. Do I have, do I have job permits? <laughs> sure, whatever you want. Yeah, heck yeah. Alright. Insurance as well, whatever. Welcome to Panel Frequency, the only podcast that's against marsupials. <laughs> Lovely. I don't like marsupials, Jordan. Okay. I strongly dislike them. Good job. I'm um, having an opinion. Yep, well. um, I'm Jordan, and this is my co-host Caleb. And yep. We, uh, we two, don't like marsupials. Two halves of a of a marsupial-hating you know, uh, podcast. We do panel frequency. Yeah, uh, where we talk about comic books and occasionally marsupials. I don't like them, <sighs> as you said. Anyway, today <laughs> we're going to be talking about our top five comic book runs. Yes, we will. Actually, before we get into that, we should probably preface by saying uh, we didn't have an episode last week because. We just didn't, didn't get around to recording it. Yeah. We had the time, but we just didn't do it because we just... We, <laughs> we don't really have an excuse for you guys, honestly. <laughs> Why are we trying? Anyway, um, we're back with twice the amount of content. Yeah, and twice the amount of marsupials. <laughs> Alright, enough. I don't like them, okay? The joke is done. They're scary! <laughs> Carry the babies in pouches so when they attack you, you get double teamed. <laughs> anyway... Um, so yeah, so we're talking about our top five comic book runs, which is, just like, explain what a run is if you don't know. If you don't know, then I don't know what you... I barely know what a run is. It's basically just, like, a creator or, like, artist or writer's kind of, ex- like, their, their time on a book. So, like, for example, uh, Neil Adams stayed on Batman for, like, quite a long time. And that his, his that whole chunk of time where he is on that book, that mm-hmm. is considered a run. Yeah, it's different to like a mini series or a maxi series where there are only like a certain amount of issues, or like just an entire volume of a of a thing. Run is a specific like creator and character mixture. Anyway, so we're gonna be talking about our top five. So top I'm not, five. it doesn't have to be specifically like our actual like our five favorites because like they the, mine specifically kind of move around, so it's never quite locked. Sometimes they have a favorite and they don't like more than others. Sometimes they don't, don't whatever. But yeah, so we'll just. Yeah. Do you want these once in a while? We can talk about our favorite what, what's, what's important to keep in mind is this is run specifically. We're not talking about miniseries or graphic novels. So no so, Watchmen yeah. or yeah, no Watchmen because if, if if we didn't if we didn't mention this, you guys will have murdered us for not having Watchmen. 
Um, but maybe we'll do our maybe later we'll do our top five favorite just comics of yeah, all yeah. time. We'll, but this we'll, is yeah. we'll, we'll do separate we'll do separate episodes. Yeah, this is this we is gotta spread it out, man. We can't yeah. do it all in one go. Yeah, okay, yeah, we gotta spread it out. Anyway, so do you wanna kick us off with your number five? I gotta pick? I gotta I gotta kick us off. Now my list is not in any particular order because I love all these runs so much. Yes. Well number there is a number one though. There is number one Alrighty. that you will not see coming. I see it coming, but Yeah, you see it coming because we discussed this. We I have think, some kind of I prep time. From last episode, we'll also see it coming. Maybe I don't know, man. It's <laughs> anyway. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, number five is the '80s Question Run. Yeah. By Danny O'Neill and Dennis Cowan. I'm sorry if I'm mis- mis- <laughs> pronouncing any of these word these names wrong. Um, I'm only one. I'm only a boy. I'm, I'm but a boy. Um, but I love the series to death. It's um, very good. It is very good. It's. I haven't read as much as you have, but what I have read, it's. Yeah, pretty good. It's not overly complex. Like, it's not a very existential or... It has a bit of philosophy in it, but it's not overly deep. It's just a very, very solid detective run. Yeah. And it has some great character development. Mm -hmm. Some amazing visuals. I've actually got... um, What number is this? This is number 20 in my hand right now. uh, Where he fights clowns, kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, Or protects... You know, I'm not going to spoil it. Clowns. Yeah, every, every every comic book needs to have at least one clown in it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not a comic book. Yeah, it's not a comic book. So Come we on, guys. Make the rules. <laughs> yeah, Batman has a clown. Spider-Man sometimes has a clown. Who's Spider-Man's clown? I mean, like, he kind of is a clown himself. He dresses in bright colors <laughs> Jeez, and he tells right. some jokes sometimes. Come put a throat for Spider-Man. I, I, hey, you know what I mean. I <laughs> yeah, love I know, Spider-Man I know, so I much. But this is a really great run. I love the visual style. Uh, the art by... Um, Dennis Cowan is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a very pulpy style, but still has a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the highlight of this series is just whenever the co- the question just puts on a suit. Yep. You know, like when he just steps out of a car surrounded by smoke and the mask becomes cemented to his face. It's just a yeah, yeah. frightening but really cool visual mm-hmm. at the same time. So I'd highly recommend this series. Yep. Um, if you want a good mystery, a good edgy mystery or good dark stories. Yeah. So how many how many issues did it go for actually? Um, I've got no idea. Actually, I'll have a look. So um, it, it went on for quite a while actually. Yeah, on um, DC Universe it has uh, thirty seven issues. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Because I recognise the um, Blackest Night. Yeah, yeah. Thirty seventh issue. Mm. Um, that was a little weird. I wasn't the biggest fan of the last. Like the the Blackest Night one was meant to cap it off, and I don't think it did that. Yeah, so that was like a decade. That was like a couple of decades after the yeah. issue before it. Yeah, but you know, it's it's a good run. Yeah, no, it's I've, a great run. I've definitely been meaning to read more into it, but yeah, it's quite good. Oh, yeah. they did um they did crossover with uh with Green, yeah, Green Arrow, Green Arrow yeah, stuff. yeah, they do quite a few crossovers. Um, oh, so that's pretty cool in the series. Yeah, sick. Yeah, no, I, I really love the question. He's such a he's, he's one of my favorite comic designs. Like he's just oh, like, yeah. a striking visual with this kind of blue blue suit and this kind of orangey kind of like shirt and then like the hat and then obviously the no face. It's just, it's a very unique design. Mm. What's an important detail in this series is like his design isn't concrete. Yeah. Like he, he at the end of the day he's a detective, so he does wear multiple suits depending on what he's doing. Like in one issue he might wear like some more military esque attire, like a singlet or like yeah, a military yeah. cap or something, depending on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I love the series, love the visuals. It's I wouldn't call it an anthology, but it there are some stories that kinda of link up, but Okay. A lot of the time, it's just a different mystery each yeah. issue. Um, number the next one, I'm not numbering them because they're in no particular order. Um, is Scott Pilgrim Scott, by Brian Lee O'Malley? Scott e. Pilgrim. Oh man, um, 
a lot of people say that this is a really high quality comic, but a lot of them don't say it's one of the best, you know? Yeah. Um, but I honestly do think it deserves a lot more praise than it sometimes gets. Because mm-hmm. I love the visual style. Like, yeah, I love the simplistic so visual style. Every character has their own look. Like, mm-hmm. you can recognize a character instantly by looking at them. Um, the action scenes are honestly really great. Like, they have this video game-esque aesthetic. Yeah, so just, yeah... Do you want to explain what Scott Pilgrim is for those who don't? Oh, okay, don't Scott Pilgrim is kind of a slice of life comic yep. mixed with an action comic. Mm-hmm. And that sounds a little bizarre, but they kind of have it set in this video game world. Like, if you if you basically knock someone out or beat them in a fight, they explode into arcade tokens or bus yeah. coins or whatever. And you can get power-ups and all that. Mm-hmm. That's just the world they live in. It's not like, oh no, computers have merged with the reality. That's just the natural world they live in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it focuses on a, the main character, Scott Pilgrim, and his relationship with a mysterious girl from America uh, called uh, Ram- Ramona Flowers. Mm-hmm. And basically, he's trying to find out more about her while trying to start a relationship with her while he battles her evil exes, which yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love I love that idea. Yeah. Um, so it, it was adapted into um, um, a movie by Edgar Wright, which yeah. is most of my exposure for Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. I haven't read too much just because it's not on Comixology yet for some reason. Yeah. The the movie is, uh, is good. It's a good movie, but it doesn't really capture the vibe of Scott Pilgrim. Oh, like, really? It captures the world, but not the vibe, in my opinion. I've heard the opposite from, like, everyone. That's the first time I've heard that. Oh, like, it's... Because the the whole Scott Pilgrim um, series runs for about a year, yeah. Like about like the whole timeline kind of takes place within just over a year, mm-hmm. but like the movie kind of takes place in a lot shorter, a lot shorter amount of time. Sure. Um, but I found in the movie they didn't focus on Ramona and Scott's relationship as much. Oh, yeah. I thought Ramona's characterization was a bit off because okay. like they made her mysterious, but they also kind of made her a bit more you know cold and. Like uh, okay. giving people the cold shoulder a lot yeah. more, but like, then it, like there are a lot of like shots to do that. Basically, just frames from that comic, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, stylistically, like at least from yeah, stylistically, opinion, it yeah, it's similar. yeah, it's very similar. But, but you, you know, you're saying like some characterizations are different and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's kind um, of to be that, expected. They actually, they actually has to do because at the end of the movie, um, they wanted to change the ending from the comic, mm-hmm. and they wanted him wanted they want Scott to end up with his other girl, his ex girlfriend, Knives Chow. Yeah, yeah. But um, since they basically decide to change their ending at the last minute, so you've got kind of this more distant Ramona that he eventually ends up with. Right. Which isn't as good as the comic, in my opinion. I don't know. Because she she can be cold sometimes, but a lot of the time she is just a really nice person. Yeah. But she is distant because of her past, but that's kind of the development. Mm -hmm. I felt like the development in the movie wasn't as good. But the main draw to the comic, in my opinion, is just the honest portrayal of relationships in this. Yeah. Because, like, in this one, like, the main part, the main key part is, there are a lot of action scenes, but the main part is Scott and Ramona's relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, it, since it takes place over a year, there are so many ups and downs, all mm-hmm. these, like, they get, they fight, they get angry at each other. It feels like two real people, you yeah. know? Even, like, even this very exaggerated kind of video game world. Yeah, yeah. It feels very grounded. Yeah. Like, they, they have regular issues, which is kind of contrasts against the world, which I find amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the back background characters, they have their own arcs, and they have their own personalities and developments throughout yep. the series. And, uh, yeah, I, I just absolutely love the series. The world, the world building is amazing. Like, you, there are, like, these 
little locations that they keep going back to, mm-hmm. which is honestly really fun. Like, there's a restaurant they keep going back to. There's, like, Scott's job. There's, like, everyone's apartments and all that. Yeah. So it feels like a real world that you could, I don't know, explore more. And, I don't know, I've, I've kind of been back and forth on a Scott Pilgrim continuation because I feel like the story is done, but I feel like the world could be explored more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Scott Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley. I absolutely love it. It's amazing. Nice. Now, for probably the most long-running run on this list, we've got Hellboy by yes. Mike Mignola, and who else knows? There's yeah, so freaking many a people. people. A lot of people have collaborated on the series. Hell- I like Hellboy a lot for the same reasons I love the question. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a lot of the time it can be a mystery, it can be just like a one-off, really good one-off stories involving magic and monsters and mythology and all that. If you're really into mythology, like Norse mythology or Greek mythology or any any kind of mythology, I'd highly recommend picking this up. So, Hellboy was one of my top five as well, so I'm chucking in a different one because don't want to have overlap, whatever, but yeah. Again, that's one of the things I really love about it, is it kind of ties into different folklore. Like, it's a very uh, global kind of book. Like, Hellboy will go to different countries and places and encounter different things and like mcnoll will like mm. put in all these little touches that make it feel so like lived in and real yeah like he'll just go to like this this like gothic castle and like it feels like a lived in place where like like stuff has happened like you yeah. know it's just it's it's, it's such a big world as well yeah. it's like they they there's a point where they killed off hellboy for a little bit yeah yeah and they still had so much to work with like yeah. there's so many amazing background characters like abe sapien mm-hmm. um johan the the medium, yep. um, and uh, just all these different characters. Roger, I, and then Roger. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Rod. Oh, Roger is cool. Yeah, um, yeah but like, and then like it's kind of gradually expanded as well. Like it mm. started off with just Hellboy, and then we went to BPRD and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, like it's McDonald is really great. Like long form, like world building. Like a lot of the stuff that he kind of sets up in early stories get paid off like much later. Like, mm. and, but like he, he, I think I've seen like interviews. He said that he kind of just like. He doesn't plan that stuff out. He just leaves threads open for him to kind of figure out later. That's kind of clever. But it makes, yeah, but it makes everything kind of feel more linked in and feel like there's yeah. kind of one cohesive story. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, the art by Mike McNoll, I all, like, there's a lot of art throughout the series, but, mm-hmm. like, Mike Min- McNoll will always be my favorite. Yeah. I, just that. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's, he's like the, yeah. the definitive Hellboy yeah. artist, so. But, like, that dark and, that dark and, I, I want to say simplistic, but I can't really bring myself to say it. <laughs> Um, yeah. that dark, like there's a lot of shading no, and I, all that. I, I think it is simplistic. I think yeah. he just he uses shading and lighting and like shadow really, really to add more like, depth and all. It's a simplistic style, but like the shading and all that is yeah. a massive star of the show. Totally, and like you just like look at like look at the actual detail and people's faces and stuff. Yeah, like there, there isn't much. I mean, especially in like big like establishing panels where like he'll be showing like a big castle or something. Yeah, like people just be like weird little like rectangles and stuff in the yeah. distance, or whatever. Yeah. Like, and then he'll just kind of color it to make it like establish the mood like he's yeah. just and often he'll have like just just panels on a page that don't show you anything really in particular like it'll do like a statue or like a part of a room but like they can just like establishes the mood and tone and stuff mm. like Mignola is the master of that it's just ugh, mwah, it's yeah beautiful it's it's a very it's a simple comic like yeah. it's like you can jump into pretty much any issue of Hellboy and have a pretty good gist as, as to what's going on yeah yeah so it's I, I, what I call it beginner friendly I'm not some issues are very beginner friendly I think yeah I, I think it's yeah it's Hellboy, Hellboy specifically has kind of two different things they're like yeah. the short stories where like they're kind of small like bite sized little pieces of him usually fighting some kind of 
monster from folklore or something, and yeah. then that's that. And then they're like the big kind of actual big arcs and stuff. But the great thing about Hellboy is they kind of get merged together by like especially by the end of it, like stuff in short stories gets brought up later in like the the main actual big kind of overlapping narrative. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But like one of the things I really like about Hellboy as well is how it feels like it just it, like it just kind of has everything and like yeah. it, it can do anything. Like it's kind of it can be like a really scary kind of movie thing, or you could just yeah. have like we like you can have or you could just have a story like pancakes. Oh which yeah, is like two pages of just like Hellboy just eating pancakes and all these demons in hell freaking out or whatever. Yeah, like there's so, so much variety in like the, the the tone and the styling and the stories and stuff. Mm. It's just uh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's probably mm. my favorite comic ever made. Yeah, but there's something else we get to later. And um, and I another massive part. This is probably the last thing I'm gonna say on Hellboy because mm-hmm. there's so much to say and it's so easy to get off track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is Hellboy merges like pre-existing lore with its own lore yeah. so fluidly? Yeah, it's really good. Like it, it, it's so good. Like the the lines between like actual mythology that's existed for thousands of years. And just well, like the mythology that these people have just written up, yeah, or even just like is so blurred. You know, interesting mythology uh, other people have come like there's a lot of Lovecraftian yeah. kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. And they were just like kind of pulpy Nazis and stuff. Like there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of like inspiration. They kind of yeah, it's kind of weird on sleeve, and I love that. Yeah. Also, the best supporting character is Lobster Johnson. Lobster Johnson. I love Lobster Johnson. Lobster Johnson. Is oh, the best. they kind of butchered him in the new movie though. Yeah. So well, no, I, I think he was the best part of it. I movie. didn't like his design, honestly. The design yeah. was. But to be yeah. fair, everything in that movie sucked. Don't watch that new movie. Yeah. I was bitterly disappointed. Yeah. But, um... We love yeah. Hellboy, so... I adore Hellboy. We, we want to see you get better, Hellboy. Yeah. We're, like, supporting I th- I friends. I think he works better for TV than he yeah, does Yeah, definitely. The, the, the first movies weren't too bad, but, he, yeah, I oh, think yeah. he'd work better in a TV no, world. I, I like yeah. the one of the Del Toro's ones. Yeah. That's one more thing on Hellboy. I want to say, like, I think Hellboy is such a great character to kind of pull through all those. He's, like, yeah. just his whole... His whole, like... Okay, spoiler alert if you don't know this, but... Hellboy is kind of main, like the main thrust of Hellboy is that he is the beast of the apocalypse. Yeah. Which means he is destined to basically bring about the apocalypse. Yeah. So he's destined to like just destroy everything basically with this big like stone right right hand fist that he's got on. Yeah. And like there's always this kind of conflict of like will he do that or will like will he conform to that kind of idea or will he be his own person? Yeah. And it's just like the way that that kind of like tragedy kind of is seen on his character, he's still kind of this, this, this like sarcastic kind of. Yeah. wise guy is just, he's such an endearing character yeah, yeah. okay right. there's still so much before we continue yeah. I think we'll just stop there and then play it off the uh, computer because this is going to be dead because yeah. the battery's low I didn't realize it wasn't charging so yeah. we're stopping and we're going to continue sweet we're back yeah we're we back we never went anywhere we're Actually, back no, we did go somewhere because my flipping um, laptop ran out of battery it's okay would we leave you would, would we leave you yes we didn't record a whole podcast for a week we did leave them Anyway, um... Yeah. Take a... Way to bring it down, man. <laughs> Go. Next point. Go next... Oh, wow. My new thing. We're back just in time to listen to my... Number two. My, my second to last, uh... Favorite comic runs. Yay. Um... This one's a little more complicated. Um... Uh, a little more... A little more complex. Because I'm, I'm an arty boy at, uh, at heart. <laughs> um... But this one is The Max by Sam Keith. Yes. Now, The Max, it's hard to recommend. Like... For me, it's an amazing run, but yes. I can understand why a lot of people wouldn't get into it, because um, a mess, a massive thing, a massive obstacle to getting into it is the art. Yep. The art does take a lot of getting used to. Mm-hmm. Um, because here's the thing, Sam Keith draws everything in a very grimy and kind of stretched out style. Mm-hmm. 
So the Max himself, the the main character, the Max. Well, he's kind of the main character. Yeah. You know, um, he he has a very bizarre design. Yeah. He's like this purple hunched over um, yeah. guy with teeth on his mask yeah. and two claws in his and like hands, like knife hands. massive yeah. feet. And um, the the Max is about a homeless superhero. Yeah, he's a, he lives in a cardboard box and he wears a purple costume with a yellow stripe across his face all day, mm-hmm. and um, he's he's the guardian air quotes if you can't see them um, of this girl. Uh, oh my gosh, I totally just blanked on what her name was. Um, I look at me. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Um, we're so professional. I took mm-hmm. notes on this. I thought my knowledge on the Max would be. <laughs> way, way more extensive than this but I've been reading a lot late recently um uh sorry we can edit this out yeah <laughs> I definitely want to edit this out ah Julie he's guarding this this girl called uh Julie Winters who's a social worker um and she's constantly ba- bailing him out of jail because he's a super ho- hero with knife hands mm-hmm. that has delusions that he's protecting a queen in a desert wasteland kind of setting called the Outback. Yep. Which is filled with dangerous creatures. to Australian Outback. It actually is related to the Australian Outback. It is? I thought you said it wasn't. Uh, it kind of is. It's like, it's not the Outback, but it's related to the Outback. Okay. Um, and it's filled with dangerous creatures like the Ears who are little, little, um, inky black things <laughs> that, that bite you and run after you. And the main reason that this series is amazing is Sometimes the art can be honestly breathtaking if you yeah. get used to it. Is like Sam Keith, is it? Sam Keith, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, you can just like, especially the the images of the outback, mm-hmm. like you, like um, there's sometimes these massive spreads of the Max just standing on a cliff looking at the out outback. Yeah. And honestly, it looks amazing. It looks it looks like it's been painted, which I'm not sure if it is, and I'm not looking it up at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's an amazing series, and it tackles a lot of heavy issues mm-hmm. um like there are some really dark topics explored especially through the villain mr gone yeah um who mr. does some gone. yeah who does some really terrible things but they kind of explain why he does them as it goes on all right um the character of the max is honestly hilarious he's like this overly innocent homeless man mm-hmm. um and he he just loves pears and toast and he watches cartoons on Julie's couch all day, so he's yeah, a like my kind of guy. Yeah, he's a weird character, but he's kind of endearing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Julie is a great character. Um, she's like she's like the strict mum to him, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a point in the series where they they get separated and like they they kind of feel different emotions about it. Like the Max, he's just absolutely lost. He's lost all reason to live, and Julie is basically trying to fill the void that the Max has left by just going on debaucherous adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't say too much without spoiling it because right. there, there are a lot of twists in the series, yep. but if you think you can handle some darker subjects matter, I would definitely recommend picking this up. Yeah. Um, great art, great dialogue, great characterization. The only problem is this is so hard to recommend because the first arc is so good. The yes. first arc is really consistent yep. and amazing. It's just very out there, right? Yeah, it's very out there. But there's a second arc that not many people have actually read when compared to the first arc. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel as fluid as before. Uh-huh. Like, they try and um, characterize these uh, background characters that were in the original run. Mm-hmm. 
and and the like the original Max had a lot of symbolism and all that, and yep. they kind of explained it, but not overly overly explained it like he had to figure out a little bit by himself mm-hmm. but with this new run that was just packed with so much symbolism that it got confused after a while what do you like mean? they don't explain any of it like just random stuff uh, okay. will happen and it's it's roughly related to what's happening but it never it's never concrete on what's actually going on sure but even still the second arc has some amazing little diamond moments in it mm-hmm like, you get some more characterization on Mr. Gone and why he does the horrible things he does. Yeah. You get some you get some more characterization on the Max the Max's origin story and where he came from and all that. But you have to go through a lot of contentious stuff to get to it. Okay. Like it's just honestly a mess the main arc, but the little minor bits are really great. And the ending is honestly it's so terrible. Like I, really? I'm sorry, but the ending to the se- the first arc had a great ending. Yeah. The second arc just ended on the weirdest thing. Like it, it's such a Deus Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. It really annoys me because. Right. It. Well, I don't know. It's very random. Very random. It's out of yeah. nowhere. Pretty much the the solution to all their problems gets introduced, like, <laughs> three issues away from the conclusion, and it's not even established at all. Okay. Like some random characters pop up at the end and at the end and just go, "Hey, we're we're here <laughs> and we're gonna help you out," you know. Well, they're not set up before characters. They're just like they've been characters. mildly set up, and the e- even are characters that haven't even been set up that take up an entire issue. Uh-huh. Like like there are some issues near the end, and they just consist of these random characters that have never been established in the series. Oh yeah. Like they kind of have been established, but it's in this weird other mini series I don't want even want to get into. <laughs> okay. Because it barely relates to the max at all oh yeah but the first arc is one of my favorite comic runs of all time it's so good yeah i probably turned off a few people onto reading it just by complaining about the second arc but please just read the first arc it's amazing and it's one of my favorite comic runs of all time i haven't really read much (laughs) i feel like i haven't read much of the stuff you like but you like a lot of weird comics yeah Uh, no, but like, yeah, I, I, I read um the Max and Batman crossover. Yeah, which I thought was fine. Yeah, it's it I doesn't. Didn't, I didn't like it that much. It felt very just sporadic yeah. and strange. Like there was just some very unnecessary. Like none of it felt very well explained or like, I don't know. Just like yeah. that felt very off. Yeah, if you're gonna read Batman and the Max, you definitely do need to read at least the first arc to get everything that's happening. Yeah. Um. But I do agree, it is just, it's, I liked it, but yeah. it was just an okay series. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, um, it doesn't tackle any of the issues that the original Max mm-hmm. tackled, and it's just basically, hey, what if Batman and the Max met up, you know? That's mm-hmm. pretty much all it is, which some people are really yeah, well, into, but... I like also, yeah. it's pretty much just that, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah, my favorite one, of course. Yeah, but... Yeah, I, I just I just named one of my favorite comic runs, and most of the stuff I said was negative. But anyway, <laughs> read the first arc; it's amazing. Yes. Just the other stuff is optional. I don't just care. Do that thing. That do that. Do that one thing. Now. I command you. I command right. you. Um, all right, then. <laughs> all right. And I know I said that the, this list was in order, but this one is definitely number one, and it's going to confuse a lot of people as to why I love it so much. Right. But number one is. The original run of Death's Head yes. by Simon Furman and art by Jeff Senior. Oh boy, where do I even begin? <laughs> um, I love this series so much. It's 
the perfect melding of... I've got them both in my hand, which is why you might hear a little bit of sliding. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the perfect Yuri. mixture of a British comic and a Marvel comic, in my opinion. Okay. Like, it's got... Like, Death's Head has a very Judge Dredd-esque, bizarre design. You know, yeah, 2000 yeah. AD-esque design. I don't think it is very 2000 AD, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, some of the some of the panels, like you know how they've got like the zoom ins of like their gun pretty much being right next to their cheek, and they're pulling the trigger, and blasts yeah, are coming yeah. out. There, there's a lot of things like that. But if you love crossovers, you are going to love Death Sid because like he crosses over with pretty much everyone. Yeah, so he started out in what, Transformers. Yeah, he was yeah. originally a throwaway Transformers villain. This was in the Marvel uh, UK imprint back when yeah. that was a thing. Yeah, I miss that. It, was, yeah. it, was, it had some good runs. Um. But, yeah, basically, it's, his publication history is a little convoluted, but basically, he was originally going to be, like, a throwaway Transformers villain, but then, uh, who was it? It was Simon Furman, I'm pretty sure, that said, um, hey, this guy looks pretty cool, I like this guy, mm-hmm. um, I want, I want the rights to him, I want Marvel, Marvel to kind of keep the rights to him, you know, yeah, without, yeah. without Hasbro, um, getting the rights, because that's what ended up happening, because, yeah. like, Hasbro was kind of tied in with Transformers at the time. So they made this little one strip comic that popped up in their other Marvel UK things called High Noon Tex, okay. which is basically Death's Head first. Death, this is so amazing. Death's Head's first appearance, right? And basically, they got to keep the rights to him because he didn't pop up in Transformers comic first. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he popped up as a Transformers villain. Yeah. Um, killed and beat up some wild. dudes. Yeah, because he can. Um, then he popped up in Doctor Who comics, which was honestly amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, that's kind of like a running theme in, that kind of switches over to the 80s run, because he goes back to meet the Doctor again, and they kind of got this grudging relationship going on. Um, I can't remember, I think, I think it swaps between two of them, like there's one, when uh, he first yeah. meets him, it's one Doctor, and when he meets him the next time, it's a different one. Okay. I don't know Classic the, Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know the specific one, um, Doctors they were, but you know, it's, it's, it's you know, it's yeah. what it is. And um, it's so weird seeing, like, the TARDIS appear on, like, the Fantastic Four building, <laughs> which is amazing. He crosses Does over the Fantastic... Happen? Yeah, that happens. Wow, okay. And, like, he crosses over with the Fantastic Four and has a little fight with them. Who, Doctor Who or Death's Head? Death's Head. Oh, okay. Um, and he pops up in a lot of other Marvel UK stuff. Yeah, yeah. And at the moment, they use him a lot as, like, a fill-in villain, which mm-hmm. I've got no problem with, because that's pretty much what he is. Like, he's, yeah. like... He's like a he's a bounty hunter that pops up where, whenever wherever the money is, pretty much. Like yeah, yeah. Th- he's got kind of got like this multiversal teleportation thing, mm-hmm. where he can pop up in any timeline, any universe, and and basically at any time. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool because like there's a, this whole thing where like he gets killed in the Death's Head two run, I believe. That's not yeah. really a spoiler because uh, there aren't that many people that like that run. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like since he's been through so many timelines, he's kind of he's kinda of like reverse flash, like, you know, he's become a living paradox. Yeah, yeah. So no matter what you do to his past, present, or future, he'll always just keep popping up. That's cool. Um, very meta right in that way yeah. as well because he just keeps showing up and stuff yeah it's like this bit he pops him in Superior Spider-Man and he gets his head punched off mm-hmm. and then just like another death head from another timeline just comes out of nowhere to take the other one's place <laughs> which is honestly hilarious That's and fine. um honestly it's just very good at what it does it's yeah, a yeah. simple fun multiversal romp mm-hmm. where death head just kills a whole bunch of his targets uh-huh. um so through, in really creative so ways so he's like an intergalactic He's, he's a bounty hunter yeah, yeah. or freelance peacekeeping agent yeah yeah because he hates being called a bounty hunter that's mm-hmm. like a running joke throughout the series um he feels very 
he's he feels like he's been very well rounded over the years. Like he's got his own little dialect that he has. Yeah. He's got like all these allies that he's met in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, they if if Death's Head pops up, they're probably going to reference some of the other time jumping stuff that he's done. Like yeah, well, I feel like if you're putting Death's Head in the comic, you're a fan of Death's Head. Yeah, yeah. He's such an obscure character that you like. You don't, you don't just put him in because like oh, we need a character. Why not just do Death's yeah. Head? Like yeah. you put him in because you like Death's Head a lot. Yeah, I Death's Head is a weird character. He's like. He's very obscure, but he's got, like, this small, like, really passionate following. Like, there's, like, this thing that happens every year on, like, Twitter and all that, and there's this, like, hashtag Death's Head thing that kind of... Oh, really? Yeah, and they just kind of list all his appearances that he's had. Oh, okay. Um, And he's crossed over with Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's one crossover that I'm not going to mention, because we're going to save that for later. Mm -hmm. Um, He's crossed over with Nova, a lot of cosmic stuff, um... Which is honestly great. He's a great it's character. Because I love that cosmic stuff. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's he's a simple, fun character. And honestly, I love his design. I love his personality. Mm-hmm. He's got this really cool way of speaking. And I love the art style that yeah. he's usually drawn in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that concludes my list. I didn't really explain much of why I love Death's <laughs> Um, I just do, okay? No, it's I, just, I, 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 think, I think you probably like... He just, like, it's a fun... Like, I haven't read much of Death's yeah. I didn't even, hadn't even heard of Death's yeah. Until I think I like I had seen him in like the Nova comic that you yeah. talked about, which is a red little Nova stuff and like, some other stuff. They didn't even mention his name. In yeah, that, I, I, but I don't think they, they call him Deathhead by name. Yeah, they but just yeah. basically said, "Why is that robot?" Yeah, I think that was just a little Easter egg. But I've, I've read I've read some of the Deathhead stuff. Yeah. just from from your from you <laughs> exposing yeah. exposing yeah. to him basically, and yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, I like it's 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 got a very unique kind of personality and yeah kind of tone to it. Like, there's in the first issue of, of the Death's Head run, like this guy called Babyface, who Death's Head just kind of dismisses as this, as this kid and then turns around and, like, shoots him. He's, like, some mod boss or something. Yeah. I think it's pretty fun. Yeah. He like, throws a bottle at him yeah. and he just dies. And, like, it's it's gets surprisingly dark in some places. Like, there's mm-hmm. this bit where, like, this kid turns out to be a mob boss and Death's Head just throws a bottle at him so he th- falls off a balcony. <laughs> and then underneath it just says in really plain text, never, never make exceptions of your targets regardless of their age yeah i'm like damn like you don't see that in comics nowadays which no i feel like yeah but you know it's like less for this for yeah. our anti-heroes yeah. certainly. he's he's a bit weird he you don't really he's not really a hero or an anti-hero he's yeah. just he's just death's head there's no other way to describe it he sure. just follows the money and that's yeah, it yeah. and we'll we'll be talking about death's head a little bit more Later we on, will. if you've been keeping up with uh, some more obscure characters, we certainly will be right. Okay, my top five. Jordan, you gotta you gotta follow this up. You gotta blow their minds. Yeah, I gotta mention some stuff that's not as obscure and that probably more people have heard, will have heard of. Yeah, starting off with number this five. This is gonna be the popular list. This is kind of cheating, but I don't care. Jonathan Hickman's entire work at Marvel. <laughs> it's, I should have seen this coming. It's basically it's basically like it's basically <laughs> one big story. Like, okay, Jonathan Hickman is a terrific writer. Like, mm. no one does high-concept science fiction just like like, like he does. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's kind of on a whole... On a, he's, like, on a whole other level. Like, but, like, yeah. I think, like, because he did start off with Secret Warriors, and then he did, like, some Ultimate Marvel yeah. stuff, and then he did Fantastic Four, and then Avengers, New Avengers, and then he did tied that all up with a Secret Wars event. Can't like, they're all kind of separate different runs, but he kind of ties them all together. Mm. But if I had to choose one run... Which I'm going to. You have to. This is the rules. I have to. I'm choosing his Fantastic Four run specifically, mm. which split off into FF when, spoiler alert, Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, died. 
but his whole Fantastic Four run is so great. It's hard to recommend like a specific story for it because mm. it's not really any story. It's all kind of like one overarching narrative. Yeah, like he sets up stuff early on that kind of gets paid off much later. Where so like sometimes you'll just be reading something and then like some plot twist will happen at the end of an issue. Yeah, and then the next issue like they just won't mention it very much. Yeah, but that will get tied up in like maybe twenty issues, like 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 a couple years down the line. But like reading through it from start to finish, it's such a satisfying read. Like if you like, when you read a Hickman comic, you feel like you're kind of you feel <laughs> smarter. I don't know, like like it, it feels very yeah. clever and very yeah. um inventive. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Or you feel very dumb because you don't understand it like me. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh man. Okay. How am I gonna explain this? Um. I'm not that great at following writers themselves. Like mm-hmm. I I. I definitely buy my comics more on a whim, really. Yeah. Like, I'll just say, hey, this guy's come back. I'm going to read this. This mm-hmm. superhero's come back that I loved. I'm going to pick this up. And I don't really pay attention to the writers that much. Sure. But you have exposed me to a little bit of uh, Hickman's um, Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And I did think it was really great. Like, yeah, it's I'm, terrific. I'm not the biggest fan of Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. like, but I was really impressed as, what, as to what they did, yeah, what yeah. he did with um, these characters mm-hmm. and I thought like I've read I've read a bit of Fantastic Four and I felt like he breathed a lot of new life into them yeah no, which was certainly. really interesting I think I think he has the best voice for Reed Richards as well because oh, yeah. all of the time Reed just gets kind of written as just kind of a dick like he's, yeah, yeah. he's just kind of like the worst in the Fantastic Four a lot of the time yeah he's like, I feel like it's a kind of a gross understanding misunderstanding yeah. of, his, of his character like he's a well-meaning scientist who's kind of just <laughs> A little bit out there and a bit, little bit away he, from his family. I, a bit yeah, he gets his dist- like led away by science yeah, from yeah. his family. Um, which I think like Hickman handled handled yeah. really, really well. Yeah, because like, because like I remember reading the run you gave me, and it's like he's found like the international uh, inter- interdimensional council yeah, of reeds. Council of reeds, yeah. And basically, they they're doing like universal level stuff. Yeah. So they're basically, but, basically if you don't know, the council of reeds is just like. All the different researchers from different mm. parallel universes and timelines and stuff, all kind of meeting up to try and fix like everything. Yeah, and he like the thing is the the main conflict is like he's saving universes, but it's not his universe. So he's yep. still kind of a disconnect, mm-hmm. and he's kind of um, disregarding his own universe. So he's being like distant from his family and yeah. all that. They barely see him anymore, and like mm-hmm. when he when he comes back, he just goes, oh, "I'm a go to bed. I saved a universe." <laughs> why do I make him southern? But I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, why not? Because why not? I want a southern Reed Richards um, in the next Fantastic Four movie. We need to find the ultimate nullifier. <laughs> oh, he's goofing now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the southern people I've offended. Um, I love you guys. Love you so much. From the bottom of my heart, you're beautiful. I can't see you, but I'm just going to see you're beautiful. Um, hurry up, I'm drowning. <laughs> I'm squirming, man. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think one of the things... Like, okay, so... Rather bad, I'm, I'm a massive Fantastic Four fan. As you know, I like I freaking love the Fantastic Four so much. I think this is probably the, the best Fantastic Four run. Like, yeah, I think it's just... To write a Fantastic Four, you're going to have... Like, there are kind of... They're not really superheroes. Like they're more like science fiction kind of explorers. Mm, yeah. Like they don't go out and patrol. They don't go and like kind of fight villains. Like they fight villains if they show up. If it's like an alien invasion or like the Mole Man invades New York or something. But most of the time they're just out, out exploring different planets and worlds and stuff. And that's yeah. the kind of stuff that like Hickman's run does so well. Like there are just so many crazy like high concepts, just like really awesome science science fiction kind of concepts that really get you like thinking be like wow that's a really cool idea that like i haven't really seen explored much stuff 
but he also kind of keeps it grounded in like the kind of human mm. uh, like nature of the Fantastic Four. Like they are, yeah. you know, first and foremost a family. Yeah. And Hickman understands that and really kind of nails that family dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just it's a, it's a terrific, terrific Marvel run that like leads into, you know, his other stuff with Avengers and New Avengers and Secret Wars and stuff, and that is all great also. So my my thing is just read all of the Hickman stuff because yeah. he's the best. To to quote what Jordan tells me constantly, mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I'm glad that you agree. I, I do. Anyway, uh, for my next pick, <laughs> bear in mind these are in no particular order. We're talking about Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo. Yeah, I saw this coming. Yeah, I love Usagi Yojimbo like just a lot. Like it's if you don't know what Usagi Yojimbo is, it's basically this really great Japanese comic by Stan Sakai. Uh, it was. It's like an indie comic that became published by Dark Horse, but now like IDW own it and stuff. But like, it's just it's so so great. It's about a like a it's like, it's kind of like a a samurai kind of kind of book, like kind of like an Akira mm. movie. So like Seven mm. Samurai, all that kind of mm. stuff. But like, it's very rooted in like Japanese mythology and like history and ideas and stuff. Yeah. So it's about this wandering rabbit Ronin called uh, Miyamoto. Yamoto Yusagi. Yeah. And he's just like, he is just like this kind of wandering guy who just kind of walks into different conflicts and yeah. just like figures it out as it go along. Also, he's a rabbit. Yeah, he's a rabbit. <laughs> so it's like an anthropomorphic kind of version of like, you know, like old, like, old, like kind of samurai movies, basically. Yeah. It's so, it's so good. Like, he, like Sekai kind of makes it, like, I think it's one of the best all ages comics just because yeah. it feels... Like, it, it feels mature, yeah. but it feels good for younger audiences as well. Like, it doesn't, like, kind of, it doesn't act stupid and kind of yeah. silly just to, like, appeal to kids. But like, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think, like, there's something really great with mm. being, like, this mature and actually, like, res- respecting them for, like, the children's intelligence and giving them, like, an actually really great, like, rousing story. And, like, his, his cartooning is really great as well. Oh, yeah. It's so expressive and just so... So fun and vibrant yeah, and stuff. It it's, definitely has its own style, which yeah, is amazing. It's really great. And finally, it's a comic I've read. Yes, I can actually give my two cents fully on this one. What? I've actually read a, a bit of Usagi Yojimbo. Oh, yeah, right. I'm yeah. kind of kind of happy about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I've, I'm not prepared for this, but I'm kind of <laughs> prepared for this. Um, yeah, I do. I am in love with Usagi Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. It's a great series. Um, yeah. It's it's very much like Hellboy, how the story structure, like random characters might pop up again in yeah. the future. Well, they're, but, but they're both Dark Horse, yeah. so they kind of have that kind yeah. of same kind of styling of like miniseries and stuff rather than mm. big. But like, like yeah. yeah, but like villains might pop up and then pop up later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason, um, <laughs> Jason, um, yeah, um, character, yeah, Jason, 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 yeah, Jay, yeah. Um, basically his name's a pun on Jason because he keeps coming back like Jason from Friday the 13th. Yep. Um, but yeah, he, he keeps popping up even though he died in his first appearance, yeah, but yeah. that's kind of like a running thing that he does. Um, a whole lot of characters will pop up later in the series to continue the plot. This, yeah. Um, and it's very culturally accurate because like, I, I do like researching different cultures like Greek, Roman, Japanese, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. And it's, very accurate yeah it is like he he has a Stan Sakai has a really great understanding of history and culture mm. and like all that kind of stuff that surrounds that period in Japanese mm. history it's just, yeah like it's always great because like they don't just refer to him as a samurai which I was kind of really happy about like they call mm-hmm. him a ronin which yeah. is a master of samurai yeah and then a yojimbo which is a bodyguard yeah. which is always 
great to see. Yeah, it's like there's a great respect for that yeah. kind of those kind of ideas and stuff. And like these, like there's, there's like I remember. Um, oh well, it just left my mind. I've got amnesia, people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a great series. Pick it up. Pick mm-hmm. up any issue, pretty much. You can. Yeah. You can. It's very good. Like first time yeah, comic. And I think like each each arc is kind of standalone in a way where you can kind of just. Yeah pick on read through them like it started just recently got kind of re- not rebooted but like since it's now under a different publisher now they're mm. publishing it in full color and stuff oh, oh yeah it's re- really great and it's only two issues in at the moment so you can yeah get on that pretty, pretty easily yeah i just i just remembered um what i was about to say it's it's for all ages like you said but it mm-hmm. does sometimes tackle some pretty dark content no yeah totally like there was this um one issue that honestly kind of broke my heart and it was like um about this mother who thought her son had lost his way and mm-hmm. she, he was a warrior or something yeah and she hired usagi to basically um kill him before he'd like get worse pretty much yeah before she lost her son mm-hmm. and it's like this moral conflict between like do i help the mother or do i just let the son become more and more corrupt oh, as yeah. it goes on and, and like that kind of stuff works well because oh, because of like usagi as a character mm. like he's kind of this honor bound very not stoic, but very kind of yeah. serious, like, uh, like kind of, but also very lighthearted. Like he's just a very yeah. well-rounded, interesting character who's kind of yeah. He's he's a bit of an everyman, yeah. like a ain't like a, um, like a Japanese like feudal Japan um everyman pretty yeah. much. But yeah. like he respects like honor and like tradition and stuff, and it's yeah. Just, he's a great character. Yeah. It's a great series, and you should read us. You should. You yes. have to. Mm-hmm. You are now contractually bound to read this comic. <laughs> yes. He'll kill you. Um, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait, what? Did you just say that you'll kill our audience? Yes. Oh. Confirmed. We need the views, man. We need the downloads. <laughs> Alright, um, next one. We're talking about Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Ooh. Yeah, okay. This is one of my, like, yeah, I think, like, these next, these next couple, you can just kind of, like, in, like, are kind of interchangeable. Like, I just love them mm. so much. But, um, Swamp Thing is just, like, so good. So, you haven't read much of... I've read a little bit. You, yeah. You've let me borrow so, they let you read, read a bit of some of the issues I've got and stuff, and yeah. it's just I don't like I can't really think of much else to say that hasn't really been said. Like it's just one of those really classic comics. Like yeah. this was back in like the eighties when like Karen Berber and like a bunch of people at DC would start doing something called the British Invasion. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. As it's known now, which is when they basically wanted to get a bunch of new talent for DC Comics. They just brought in all these British creators like um, Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore, Brian Boland, Grant Morrison, yeah. all these like people from not from America and they brought them over and they did all these new DC books so they got stuff like Animal Man and Swamp Thing which is yeah and like all the stuff was pretty pretty universally great oh yeah yeah I think it's some of the best stuff DC's ever done and one more thing we'll get into later fits into that category quite nicely yeah but I think Swamp Thing is one of the best out of the bunch just because of the way the way that like more writes it is just like it's kind of got this deep kind of profound tragedy behind it and the way yeah. like yeah it's just it's feel like it, it's it's very horrific but it's never kind of loses its focus on the, mm. like the character of Swamp Thing himself and kind yeah. of his push pull between his humanity and the fact that he's kind of you know protector of the green and stuff what I what I really appreciate uh, you've let me read Swamp Thing and I've read a bit of it mm-hmm. and um these are very early impressions keep in mind but yeah I do agree with you on the profoundness of the series yeah but what I do really love about this is it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the writer thinks he's better than you, really. Like it, it, it treats the reader with respect. Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of comics that try and be profound and deep, 
feel very condescending a lot of the time. Sure. Like, but this one, this one is basically, um, this character has a massive problem. Yep. Let's see how he, let's see, like, the psychology as to Mm -hmm. how he deals with it and the spiritual issues that might rise from it, you know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like, oh, you need to live by this, otherwise, you know, you're not living life the right way, which is some, how some deep and meaningful comics come across. Yeah, it, it, it feels important without trying to feel important, I guess. Yeah, I think it's just, it's also responsible for, I think, the best and my personal favourite twist in comic book history, which is that the second issue of this run is the anatomy, the anatomy lesson, which is basically where... Swamp Thing is basically basically dissected, and he finds out that he has always been dead. So like he's he, like he's not Alec Holland because like his origin story is there's this man called Alec Holland who like got burned up by some some chemicals and stuff and fell into a swamp and turned into Swamp Thing, and he thought he transformed into this creature, but Alan Moore reveals that he actually died in that swamp and that his consciousness kind of like forged this creature called the Swamp Thing, which mm. is this kind of it's basically a plant that thinks that it's. Like human. Yeah, it's a plant that thinks it's Alec Holland. Yeah, which is like a genius twist. Like the yeah. way that, that that completely changes yeah. everything with something. It also makes going back and reading those older issues so much more fun. You can yeah. kind of like there are some little nods to that kind of stuff as well. But like it's just it makes reading it like so much more engrossing because like it's just such a like an interesting idea. Like what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to like is he even alive? Like is he Alec Holland at all? Like, like I mean, he's, he's not because he's dead, but like, yeah. he still has the same memories and kind of consciousness of Alec Holland. So, mm. yeah, it's just, it's super interesting. And the art is gorgeous. Like, there, he has a bunch of artists throughout his run, but like, they all kind of give it this kind of dark, gothic, kind of very nature, na- naturalistic kind of, not, not a naturalistic, but it's very uh, planty. I don't know what the no, word nature is. Nature-oriented. Yeah, it's like all the kind of panels kind of melding together and kind of, very kind of twisting and turning and yeah. to kind of suit the kind of plant nature of it. Mm. It's just, it's one of the best comics ever written and yeah. I love it a lot. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I probably should say that. The Goon. The Goon is Ooh. next on my small little list. So The Goon we talked about a little bit the last couple of episodes was is by um, Eric Powell. It's basically like this kind of... Um, this thug called the goon that's basically all he's known yeah. and he's just kind of the enforcer in this town it's kind of like this old kind of 30s rundown town with like yeah. zombies and stuff led by this guy called the zombie priest and he does it with his partner Frankie who's like stabbing people with a knife in the eye quite a lot Frankie's <laughs> the best character yeah I think Fra- Frankie's my favourite character in the series but yeah it's just the goon is just so much fun like I think yeah. it's it's such a it's such a like it's like it's such a comic booky comic. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's just there to be the most fun, the most ridiculous, the most absolutely bonkers, insane thing I've ever read. Yeah, it's really funny. It's just like there are so many fun ideas and characters in it. Like there's a guy called the Buzzard, and, oh, and one yes. of the early arcs, who was a character who was like from old West Town or something, and yeah. like he kind of had this curse put upon him by the zombie priest. Mm. But he's basically a reverse zombie. So he's not by living and dead, but like he kind of he has to eat li- he has like to zombies. Eat living, yeah, like li- eat dead flesh and stuff. It's such an interesting yeah. kind of flip of the, flip the norm. Of the, yeah, of, of the trope. And there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the game. Where like he'll just kind of flip like ideas and conventions and cliches on its head and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's very 
It's got a very dark sense of humour. Yeah. But I think yeah. if you're getting it, if you want to read The Goon, they put out a, a new omnibus of it recently because it used to be Dark Horse. Yeah. But now it's not anymore. But, um, like, they recently republished it. But, yeah, it's very, um, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of, like, jokes and just, like, people beating each other up and be like, hey, we're going to go kill this old lady. Or it's like, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's very just, like, it's not a it's yeah. yeah, it doesn't hold it. It doesn't pull its punches. Really no, it certainly humor. doesn't. Um, yeah, I recently read uh, the recent omnibus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the goon, the first few arcs. Yes, and I love it. I yeah. do love the goon. Now that I think about it, I probably would. Oh, I think you're going for a high five. No, but, <laughs> but like, um, yeah. Now that I think about it, I do think it would make it into my top ten. Yeah, if this is a top ten, the goon would definitely be in those bounds. Mm-hmm. Um. And the goon kind of balances this really immature tone yeah. with some actually adult emotional moments, mm-hmm. really, uh, which I think is honestly really clever. Like the, it has, it has um, a lot of different aspects to it, like goofiness, seriousness. Yeah, I think it's a lot like yeah. Hellboy in that way. Yeah, dark so, as yeah. yeah. It makes sense when it kind of because it's had a crossover with Hellboy, where they yeah. kind of point out how very similar they are. Yeah, it has uh, dark aspects. And the tone doesn't feel confused. It no. still feels consistent. No, yeah. It's, it's kind of... It's very tongue-in-cheek and it knows yeah. what it is and it just has fun with it. It, it kind of reminds me of a bit more um, of a adult skullduggery pleasant, if anyone's read those books. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, it's very dark. The, the characters have... There are some horrific things that happen but plays it off very light. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely do love it. The art can, at sometimes can be breathtaking. Yeah, it's... Um, it's I don't know, it, it's a weird art style, like, yeah. and just, like, and how to describe it. Like, it's kind of, it's very chunky, like, it, it's yeah. kind of Jack Kirby a, a bit, with, like, the poses yeah. and kind of the actual action styling of it. And there are those weird, like, more painting-esque yeah, bits, yeah, yeah, which I love. it's painted, often it's yeah. just kind of traditional, like, comic penciling and stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah. There's a really good twist in the first arc, which yeah. is absolutely, which I actually didn't see coming, but yeah. they kind of planned it out a little bit. Yeah, but it's just, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very weird, very strange, very fun comic it's just yeah. yeah it's a ton of fun so i recommend that two thumbs up <laughs> yes two thumbs up from your sir so that's a collective of four thumbs up i've got four, th- four thumbs i feel like we made the show we've made a two thumbs up joke but we haven't made a four thumbs up oh joke. okay yeah so okay. it's it's new yeah <laughs> it's new but classic <laughs> it counts and for my last pick we're talking about grant morrison's doom patrol Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so if you know me, you know I love the heck out of the Doom Patrol. They're just the best. And Doom Patrol and Hellboy are, like, my favourite comics. Yeah. So I got into Doom Patrol a couple years ago with with Grant Morrison's run specifically. And, like, it just blew me away. Like, it's... Mm. If you don't know what Doom Patrol are, they're basically this kind of team of weird misfit heroes who have all kind of suffered these horrible accidents. Yeah. And then they all kind of work together to become these these heroes with their new kind of, like, abilities or something. So there's like Robot Man, who's kind of just like a brain and basically this big metal robot, essentially, because he got, this body was destroyed in a car crash or whatever. Hence the name, Robot Man. Yeah. It's very important that we explain that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so back in like this, the Silver Age, when they first kind of were created, the Doom Patrol were very kind of, one of the weirdest stuff in the DC universe. Like, they were very different to a lot of the kind of stuff DC heroes were facing at the time. Yeah. Like, it was very... Very strange, like, they fought guys like Animal, Vegetable, Mineral Man, <laughs> which is the most out there, weird, like, just completely bonkers villains. But we but we love him anyway, he's yeah. a great character. <laughs> but after that run, they kind of became a little bit stagnated because they were just kind of, 
stuck in being like an X-Men ripoff, basically. Yeah. Because they tried to be just like a traditional kind of superhero book. So when Grant Morrison came in after his great Animal Man run, um, from like the British Invasion, which we talked about with Swamp Thing, he came in and completely revitalized it and made it the most weird book I've ever read. It's so strange and like psychedelic and just the most, just, yeah, it's it's so, like, oftentimes you'll be reading it and you'll have no idea what's going on. It's because yeah. it's just like, what is happening? Like, it's so absurd. Like, things just like, but it's also like, it's weird and abstract, but not without kind of having some, like, some weird kind of sense of logic and... Yeah, it has, it twists the logic to basically do whatever it wants. Yeah, and, like, they'll be facing just, like, whatever weird entities they find. A painting. Yeah, like, there's, there's an issue where they go into a, the painting at Paris. That's amazing. Which is basically, the, like, this painting it basically eats Paris, and Duke will have to go and, like, get Paris out of this painting or whatever. <laughs> But it gets weirder as it goes along, and the genius thing is, like, the characters kind of start to get weirder as well. Yeah. And, like, they actually kind of start siding with the villains by like, by the end of it a bit, because it's like, yeah, well, whatever, like, it's all, like, our life is just weird and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a, ter- it's a terrific run. Like, it's drawn mostly by Richard Case, who's been this kind of great kind of, uh, yeah, he, he works perfectly with Morrison's just weird kind of ideas. Yeah. My thoughts on Doom Patrol. Here we go. Um, Doom Patrol is my favorite team. My yeah. favorite team in comics. Mine is that and Fantastic Four. Yes. Yeah, I just love Doom Patrol. I like it when they keep a smaller, more compact group. Mm-hmm. But that's just me because yep. I felt like in the later in the later series of their original run, they start adding characters that kind of lost the weirdness that yeah, they originally had. Yeah, like they tried to be too much like just traditional superhero stuff, which yeah. the Doom Patrol aren't. They're like, very out there. Like, they had characters with regular powers like Celsius and all that, mm-hmm. who I... And um, there's another character, I can't remember. Um, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Like, I thought Mento was cool to begin with, yep. but then they kind of did play more of a straight... Mm-hmm. A, just a straight well, superhero. I like, I like Mento, but yeah, yeah, he's one of the more normal kind yeah. of characters yeah I think he I think he I think he um, was good to begin with then he dipped a bit just being a normal superhero but then they kind of brought him back a little bit yeah yeah um but yeah uh, Grant Morrison's run I've read a little bit of it mm-hmm. um and I do I have liked what I've read so far yeah. um they do add in new characters which a lot of the time I'm not the biggest fan of with Doom yeah, Patrol well, like, it introduces as Craig yeah. James which is yeah. one of my favourite characters in comics which is like 64 different personalities and they all have their own abilities yeah but you kind of can't control them because you know it's just yeah it, there's just so many fun kind of out there concept like that mm. yeah and um I'm not yeah like I said I'm not the biggest fan of them bringing characters to join the Doom Patrol but a lot of the time they feel like they belong in the Doom Patrol mm-hmm. like they fit in just just right because yeah. they've got weird powers and there's a weird payoff to their powers like, yeah like like pretty much in my opinion if you want to be part of the Doom Patrol, you need to have powers, but there needs to be a little bit of a cost a, a, to those a powers. I curse yeah. to the powers. Like, um, it's it's kind of like mutants, but like, whereas like all the times mutants are just kind of just like they look normal all the time. Mm. But like a Doom Patrol, all look very strange for the most yeah. part. Like, um, I'm pretty. Sh- I'm not. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure Grant Morrison brought in one of my favorite Doom Patrol members, uh, Dorothy Sp- Spinner. No, Dorothy was around oh, a little bit before Morrison's run. Dang it! Well, like my my point. My points, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I think um, Morrison is responsible for the Dorothy people yeah. no one loves. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but like she, he characterized Dorothy Spinner a lot more, um, and he, he basically made. I think he really expanded on her powers a lot more, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Because Dorothy Spinner, her powers have multiple payoff, like costs, really yeah. curses, 
And, like, basically one of them is she's slightly deformed, like, her face is a lot more, um, it's a little bit more ape-like, a little bit more animal-like. Yeah. Um, and her superpower is basically she can, whatever she imagines can come to life. Or she creates, like, imaginary friends. Yeah, but, like, but, like, later on they kind of toy with the idea that, like, maybe whatever she imagines can come to life. But since she's a little girl and she has all these imaginary friends that a lot of kids did, these imaginary friends become physical beings yeah. with like minds of their own and which kind of plays out like Morrison does a lot with that kind of metaphorical yeah. stuff like a lot of the villains they fight aren't really they're more con like they're more like concepts than they're like actual yeah. characters yeah like you've got um going back to Dorothy Spinner because I need to keep talking about Dorothy Spinner um <laughs> but um yeah what they tackle a lot of social issues with their characters like with Dorothy Spinner they tackle stuff like um, abandonment and like not fitting in really because mm-hmm. like one of um, it's actually really heartbreaking but one of Dorothy Spinner's um, imaginary friends is called Mummy Come Home mm-hmm. and it's like this replacement mum that has a painting for a face yeah yeah That and when I first heard that I'm like man that just hits hard <laughs> it's it so depressing and like eventually Mummy Come Home becomes this kind of twisted character because as, as she becomes her own character because she's become a like blood and like blood and skin mm-hmm. being of her own and yeah. she can learn and she basically becomes this more twisted um cynical character mm-hmm. which i absolutely love so yeah my i think my 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 two cents were a little bit convoluted but yeah i do love uh doom grant morrison's doom patrol yeah run. i think it's kind of, it kind of set the standard for doom patrol going forward yeah, like the young animal animal run that started in twenty sixteen takes a lot of cues from Morrison's run. It's kind of a continuation of that, and then the TV show that started this year, which was terrific, um, oh, is yes. pretty much like the perfect representation of that in like TV form. But yeah, it's just it's a really difficult comic to like explain to people, just because it's it's not really like anything else. Like I've never read anything that's like Doom Patrol. Oh yeah, Doom Patrol is definitely its own thing. Yeah, like it's very bizarre. Yeah, it's... and you need to have a very talented writer to do it right. Yeah. I hate saying that, but like well, with yeah, Doom I think Patrol, a it's lot a fact. Of, a lot of the kind of just it, it, a lot of times you can kind of make it feel weird, but like there needs I mean, to be some reason behind it. Is weird it. for the sake of being weird all the time. Yeah. But there's also like there's just something about the way that he does it that's just yeah. genius. And yeah. but like yeah, it's just it's the reason he's my favorite comic writer. Like he's just he nails pretty much everything he does like the best way I, I can describe best yeah. the best way I could describe Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol is um ordered chaos mm-hmm. like it's oh, yes. chaotic yeah. it's weird it's out there yeah. but there's some kind of order to it yeah, that yeah. makes it make sense yeah and I feel like the new Young Animal Run has a touch of that mm-hmm. like I love the new Young Animal Run I think it's a fitting uh continuation mm-hmm. um and it's written by Gerard Way. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gerard Way. My Chemical Romance fan, so I kind of have to love everything that he does. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I do think that he definitely has that ordered chaos vibe to his comic, especially mm. with concepts like Danny Land or yeah. that, that um, vitamin that people eat yeah, yeah. that um, makes them, that basically lets them control reality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's basically what yeah. I think about Doom Patrol. Yeah. So, yeah, Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol. Great. Great. Pick it up. I highly recommend it. Pick up anything with Doom Patrol on it. Yeah, so those are our five, well, what, our collective ten, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Another the collective joke. Um, favorite comic runs. Like, that's not everything. Like, there's a lot of other stuff that I like. Like, um, 
Jason Aaron's Thor, Walt Simonson's Thor. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, Jeff Johns, Teen Titans. Like, there's so much stuff. Oh, the mm. IDW Ninja Turtles. Like, there's... I, we, we could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, on, we're on a bit of a schedule. So, we're yeah. going to be talking about... Um, we have lives, okay, guys? <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, our comics that we've been reading the last week, or rather, two weeks now, because we haven't done an episode in two weeks. Yeah, don't so stop we'll bringing that up, man. It breaks my heart. Um, <laughs> we'll let you start out the comic you've been so desperately wanting to discuss. Okay. I was going to save this for later, but since we no, put we'll on the spot... Now, okay. Hey, guys, you remember when I said that I love Death Said? Oh, really? You like I, Death's Head? Oh, wow. I don't know if you guys know, know this, but I, I love Death's Head. He's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> um, but against all odds, it just blew my mind when I heard this. Wait, did you did you tell me that he was getting a run? I can't remember. Someone, uh, someone told me. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but somehow against all odds, Death's Head has a run in 2019, a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this just blew my mind. When and was the last time Death's Head had a run to so. Uh, are we talking? Are you, are you including this Death's Head? To, this this Death's Head. Um, he hasn't had one since the eighties. Yeah, right. Um, so this blew my mind. This mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, I started hearing more about it, and I got more and more concerned about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I heard that um, that young the young Avengers were going to be involved in mm-hmm. it, and that kind of concerned me a little bit because um, because I know he he has had a lot of crossovers. But the Young Avengers felt a little bit odd of a choice. Oh yeah, they're very, di- they're very yeah. different to what I think of when I think of Death's Head. Yeah, um, Death's Head is very, like we like we love to say here, chaotic. And um, <laughs> yeah. And the yeah, Young Avengers definitely are a lot more grounded. Yeah. And then I read an interview with Tini Howard, mm-hmm. uh, who was writing this, this run. Mm-hmm. And she said it's going to be quite emotional. It's going to be about getting older... And that's why the young Avengers are going to be in this because they've definitely aged a lot more. Yeah, and yeah. Death's Head is basically, <laughs> um, is basically this out of date robot model because mm-hmm. robots are constantly being improved and all that. Yeah, which breaks my heart a little bit, but <laughs> it's a really um, interesting concept. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got it in my in my filthy unwashed hands. Uh, <laughs> right, what a lovely image. In my filthy, unwashed hands. I've got gangrene in my hands, so <laughs> it's getting harder to read comics. Uh-huh. Um, but when I read it, it felt so... It felt so Death's Head. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was a different kind of chaotic and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but it, it fit. It feels like very similar, like yeah. a very similar kind of tone vein that yeah. I was looking at Death's Head stuff that you love so much. Yeah. And but like mixed with kind of more traditional mod- kind yeah. of Marvel more, style, more yeah. contemporary in yeah. my opinion. I've, like, I was a bit worried because I knew they were gonna make Death Seed more contemporary because yep. that's what Marvel's doing at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, but I felt like they did it really well. Like the advancement of technology. What's the point of having an out of date machine, which is kind of Death's Head's dilemma in this? Yeah. And honestly, there are some amazing pieces in this comic that I love. Like the yep. opening panel. Mm-hmm. Um, shows basically basically Death's Head's interiors and this kind of blueprint kind of thing yep. as he self-repairs himself. Mm-hmm. And I just love I just love that image of all these like crosses on things that aren't working and it feels like a lot of work and thought went into this because mm-hmm. it legitimately just looks like a realistic blueprint or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get a few panels from Death's Head... Death's... Uh, Death... <laughs> Death's Head's point of view, yeah, and it kind of has this really um, 
like old fashioned sci-fi feel to it yeah like there's constantly all these scanners that are turned on and they have like these random in jokes with this with the scanners and all that mm-hmm. that if you if you don't pay attention to what's what's on the screen pretty much yeah you won't get them like there's like this really this is a spoiler this is a little spoiler you guys but um i'm gonna quote the comic because i've got it here in my hands mm-hmm. basically he gets teleported into a bathroom mm-hmm. and he sees that there's a there's a drain on the floor and basically his ai is saying drain and floor detected statistics suggest that the likelihood of being eviscerated in a room with a drain in the floor is 94%. <laughs> and it's like these little details I find hilarious. Yeah. And they do play it in a more tongue-in-cheek way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Death Seed has always been a very tongue-in-cheek character because things happen and Death Seed is kind of the straight man to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we get a lot of really great characterization from Wiccan and Hulkling. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised at actually how much they're in this. Like, it feels yeah. a lot more like their book than it does Death's Head, at least for the spot. Oh, I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel like, act, like it's in two halves. I kind of feel yeah. like the action story is Death's Head, mm-hmm. but, like, the one tackling relationships and getting older is with, um... Yeah. Is with Hulkling and Wiccan. And mm-hmm. you get to explore their relationship a bit more here. Yeah. Which is honestly great to see, because they're just two really likable, like, grounded characters. Yeah. And it's cool to see the Young Avengers get more spotlight and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so we're thinking Death's Head will probably like do more stuff for the Young Avengers like, yeah. going forward. Maybe who knows? Mm. Um, There's a really cool twist at the end that they kind of build up throughout the comic. Yeah. Like, um, since getting older and being replaced is a key theme throughout this. Mm-hmm. And um, please don't look at any of the other covers before reading this. It will definitely ru- ruin the surprise at the end. And initially i didn't like the surprise but the more i reread the comic i liked it more and more mm-hmm. um it's got a lot of cool action in it there's a lot of cool gunfights and all that with um death said which is a very key part of his shtick yep um he his dialect hasn't changed at all which i'm so glad hasn't he's got some really cool one-liners yep um it's yeah, he feels like an 80s action movie kind of hero yeah which is like really fitting mm-hmm. um they've even kept the old logo from the old series like they've got the old they've pretty much got the old um typeface and all that from the original series yeah, yeah. which i love and the old death's head logo oh, that's cool and it feels so it feels really balanced yeah, yeah. like it has these really cool action moments and these really just somber relationship moments about mm-hmm. getting older and all that yeah no, it's good and there are some really cool character designs, like they've mildly tweaked um, Hulkling and Wiccan's design. Uh-huh. Wiccan is definitely a lot more witch-like in this, I believe, sure. like, like a lot more um, a Clarion-like, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like he's got like uh, a long ripped-up cape and all that, which honestly really fits. Um, Death's Head's design is pretty much exactly the same, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, it it has a few creepy-esque moments. Um, it's very balanced. It balances relationship yeah. and action. There. How many I love it. Has it gone for it's it's going for right? four. It's going four, for four. Okay. Yep. Um, which has me still a little bit worried as how they're going to pack this, how well they're going to package the oh, story. No, Teeny Howard's good. I think it's yeah, good. Teeny Howard is a great writer. If you're yeah. watching this, Teeny, um, if, if we're pronouncing your name right, we, we do, do need a bit more careful with that. <laughs> but um, we're, we're big fans of your work. Um, mm-hmm. Good to see. There's a lot of Death's Head callbacks, which leads me to believe that a lot of people are passionate about this comic. Yeah, um, and yeah, the art's amazing. The art ha- definitely has a kind of it. It's a lot more. Um, if I had to describe it, I'd definitely describe it with 
Mignola's art mixed with the original art from Death's Head. Like, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of shading. Um, it's a bit more simplified, but it really fits the story. Mm-hmm. It's very very neon-esque. There's a lot of neon lighting done yeah. in this, because a lot of it takes place in a nightclub. Um, and yeah, I would definitely recommend this, and I definitely think this is a very fitting follow-up to the original series. Totally. Oh, yeah. And it made me feel really good just to read a solid Death's Head series again. Sure, yeah. And... It doesn't feel like it's trying to replace anything. It just feels like a continuation. Yeah, which, yeah. honestly, just makes me feel really good reading this. Reading this mm-hmm. was the best nostalgia nostalgia trip I've ever had. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I don't want to get too emotional <laughs> into this. Um, but, yeah, I had a great time reading it. Good, good. Yeah, no. Yeah. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's only 4-2, so I guess if anyone actually in, so they might as well pick it up if you yeah. want to. It's... If you want, if you just want a story that you can read, start to finish, and it being affordable since it's only four issues, yeah, I'd definitely recommend this. Or you can pick it up in trade if it gets put in trade later on. Yeah. which Marvel pretty put pretty much puts everything in trade these days, yeah, so, so most likely will. Uh huh. Um, um. Yeah. You want to go? Uh, yeah, sure. Um. So I read Justice League Dark Annual One, which came out I think uh, two weeks ago. So Justice League Dark is basically the kind of magic supernatural kind of just version of the Justice League and that's the kind of stuff that I like I really really love about DC I feel like the, the best stuff for Marvel is their cosmic stuff and I feel like the best, best stuff for DC is like their supernatural kind of stuff yeah and I've been really really enjoying uh, James Tinian IV's great Justice League Dark run so far I feel like it started off pretty I, I thought it started off okay but like it's gotten really really good over time I feel like especially with these last couple issues he's been really finding his feet with what he kind of wants from this from this book and this annual, I think, is the best issue he's put out. So it centers entirely around Swamp Thing, who is a member of the Justice League Dark at the moment, as he's kind of, like, tracking down and kind of helping this new avatar of the Green, because, you know, the Parliament of the Trees are kind of done for from a previous arc. He's kind of helping this this, this new kind of Swamp Thing-like character to kind of, like, kind of be up to the task of his, for his role. And it just, it feels so much like a, like, like a like kind of, like, that classic... Alan Moore, like, very vertigo mm. kind of styling of comics. Like, it's very dark and twisted, and it has this kind of internal monologue that feels like something you'd see Alan Moore or Neil Gaiman write or something. Yeah. But it's kind of mixed with this, the more kind of classic, um, like, you know, the, the more grounded, not grounded, I don't know, you know, the, the, the kind of classic superhero stuff, yeah. you know, like, yeah. more contemporary DC Comics style. I feel like Justice League Dark is doing such a great job of mixing those two and finding, like, getting the best elements from both and making this this really, really great comic. But yeah, it's, this this issue in particular was super dark, like, like really, really great, and it sets up some exciting stuff for the future. So, yeah. So, you read it as well, right? Yeah, I got, sorry. I read it when I came here. Mm-hmm. And I read comics really fast. Yeah. Like, I can, it kind of sucks sometimes. <laughs> like, I read books and I'm, like, way too quick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's my superpower. Um, <laughs> but this one, I did take a lot more time reading yeah. than I usually do. Um, I, I don't know if you notice, but, um, I want to take in every detail of this yeah. comic because it is amazing. Yeah. Like it is, it, it feels like an old Swamp Thing comic. Mm-hmm. Like for, like, I know a lot of people might say that, that I do feel like that kind of gets thrown around a bit too much. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. Like it feels but, like this or whatever. Yeah. 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 But this one legit does it mm-hmm. captures the tone so well that kind of horror twisted but still kind of profound yeah 
feet weight behind Swamp yeah. Thing. And that that's like that's the kind of stuff I love about the character. Oh yeah, the the characters are so well rounded. Like yeah. all the it's like this char- this comic introduces so many new characters, mm-hmm. but all of them feel like they've been around for a lot a while. Like they feel timeless. Yeah. Like they feel like all their motivations have been set up. All their personalities have been set up perfectly. Yeah. And. If you've read... Oh, wait, no, I don't want to spoil it. But I hope to see them in the future. Yeah. And, I, like, yeah. The, the stuff that's been set up here is, like like I said, super exciting for the, for the future of this book. Yeah. And, like, the art by, um, Julian March, don't know. Again, I'm ruining everyone's names. Um, it's not it's me this really, time. It's really, really great. Like, it's kind of... It's, it's kind of got this, this dark, tragic kind of vibrancy to it. Yeah. Like, there is a lot of colour, but, like... It's color like kind of portraying this kind yeah. of like there's like, like a seasons kind of thing to it. It's like being in a fo- it's like very foresty. Yeah, like, it is, yeah. and like he kind of really captures the kind of like there's a lot of flowers and petals and stuff oh, yeah. floating around, and like it's just yeah, really really great panel yeah. layouts as well with like kind of flowers like around the edges like, going yeah. out of the frame like oh, the panels yeah. and stuff. It's just he made flowers scary. <laughs> yeah, it's real good. Yeah, one of my favorite issues of the last couple of weeks. That, that, that was a scary. That was that had some of the scariest flowers I've ever seen. They're only rivaled by um the flowers at Disneyland in the Tiki Room. <laughs> have you been to the Tiki Room? No, I haven't been to the. You've tiki been room. to the Tiki Room. <laughs> like you just sit there and these flowers just sing to you and you can like the old animatronics. So you like hear their mouths click. So it's like it's like it's like they're getting ready to eat you, like they're licking their lips, getting ready to eat you, and it terrifies me. What, what is, this, is this Disneyland? Yeah. Oh, right. Or Disney World? I don't know. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> um, but it's like one of the older rides. Okay. Well, not really a ride. You just kind of sit there and just let these things sing at you. Sure. Not sing for you. They sing at you. Okay. They sing whether you want them to to or not. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, what what else have I read? I've I. I finally got around to reading All Star Superman. Yeah, so I linked you All Star Superman, and then I asked how it was at like a couple of hours later, and you're like, "Yeah, it was real good." Like you'd read the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah, but no, yeah, this is probably All Star Superman is probably me my my favorite like single like my favorite like story like miniseries. Yeah. I think it's just oh, it's so yeah it's so perfect. Yeah. Like I cannot sing its praises enough. It's like the perfect kind of distillation of who Superman is as a character mixed with kind yeah. of more Silver Age kind of sensibilities and like kind of it's just ah, it's so it's so good it's yeah. a great feel good comic as well but it has this kind of good yeah. sad kind of um, bit of sweet ending to it yeah um I so know this like Grant Morrison and Frank Wiley sorry I should say they're great because no, 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 no. they're really great yeah go ahead yeah. um I know this comic gets discussed a lot so I'm going to try and keep this at least mildly brief because yes. I do ramble on a bit <laughs> but um this comic just has so much heart to it. Yeah, yeah. It has so much emotional importance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the character, the character of Superman, I've never been a big fan of. Okay. But this one made me feel something for him, yeah, which I not like, a lot of writers. Whenever someone do. says they think Superman is boring, I always recommend All Star Superman. Yeah. Um, I went into this not knowing what to expect because mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest Superman fan because I'm an obscure hipster kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I honestly loved it. Like yeah. it, it has a melancholy tone, but it makes you feel good at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just it's, the it's, art is amazing as yeah. well. Frank Wiley is one of my favorite artists, and he, like I think he is the perfect artist for Grant Morrison. Like he just gets his whole like his whole thing. Yeah. Like I've seen someone say like it feels like they kind of like they meld minds in a naked comic <laughs> because like they're just like so in tune. Like it feels like two like creators so like so perfectly in tune with each other and like their craft and stuff 
I think his his style works particularly well for this specific Superman story, because it's kind of like the death of this version of Superman as he's kind of like slowly dying from like too much exposure to radiation and stuff. Yeah. And like he really grounds Superman by kind of giving him this kind of no no not really realistic, but there's a real there's a real texture to everything. Yeah. Like the like the, the cloth looks real, like like mm. all the like everything looks kind of real, but kind of ex- exaggerated in this way. It's really beautiful. And one of my favorite things about this entire comic is how different Clark Kent and Superman look. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, I love of, that. Clark Kent's kind of, like, kind of slouched. Like, yeah, he's kind of slouching a bit and kind of has, like, he's got, like, he's yeah. made him look a bit more fat and stuff. And he's kind of, whereas Superman's kind of more um, more built and kind of yeah. up, up, upright and stuff. And, like, there's just so many, like, small details like that in the art that just makes it so gorgeous to look at. It, it kind of looks like, um... Clark Kent's wearing a more loose-fitting suit to make yeah. it look like he's got a lot more yeah, bulk yeah. than Superman. Totally. And I like how um, each issue is kind of its own standalone story. Oh, yeah. Like, can, there's you... an issue with like him and Lex Luthor in a prison. There's an issue pretty much centering entirely around Jimmy Olsen. There's, like, an issue with, like, some kind of General Zod-like kind of twins or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's just, like, there's just so much stuff that encapsulates what and who Superman is. It's just, ah, it's so good. It touches on a lot of different topics. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, the um, I say um a lot. I just realize <laughs> it's now, it fine. Really, now it really bugs me. Um, but it um goes through a lot of different topics on in the comic. Like it has a pretty dark story with Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Like it's spoiler alert. You might want to skip ahead if. You don't want to get the spoiled, but I feel, like, I feel like most people have read all stuff Superman. It's pretty, it's pretty popular. Well, I didn't apart from, like until a couple <laughs> yeah. weeks ago, but it it revolves around his execution, mm-hmm. and it has Lex Luthor basically doing this like long monologue about how he's pretty much better than everyone, yeah, yeah, or how like super, how he doesn't like Superman, and it kind of makes sense for his character. He mm-hmm. feels a lot more well rounded in this because. Yep. He's very condescending to Clark Kent, but he doesn't feel bad, really. Yeah. He, it just feels like... You know, I, and I, I like... I, th- I think it's very believable as well, like, yeah, he wouldn't notice that Clark yeah. Kent's Superman the same, <laughs> just because the art and stuff, and it's just... Yeah, like, I think Morrison has a really great voice for Lex Luthor as well. Oh, yeah. I love the bit, um... There's a bit where he's in prison, and, like, he basically kind of makes uh, Clark's whole story worth it. And he's like, oh, and then a, a, a baboon in a Superman costume walked out and, like, shook Lex Luthor's hand. And then a baboon walks out, walks out door and shakes, like, gives a super and shakes his hand. And oh, it's just, man. it's so good. Like, it's so, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's silly, but it's just, yeah, it's treated with such, like, warmth and, like, just love for the character. It's yeah. Great. I, in this series, I hesitate to call Lex Luthor a villain. Because, like, Lex Luthor, like, depending on, like, what comic you read, sometimes he does have justifiable motives. Like, sometimes he thinks... If Superman, I think that I think they're justifiable to, justifiable to him. Yeah, I think he thinks he knows what he's like. He think I think he thinks he is doing the right thing. Yeah, because like Kryptonians are a threat. Let's yeah. be real, and we need some way to combat the yeah. evil ones. And I think a lot of the time the best villains are the ones who think what they're doing is the right thing to do. Yeah, I think it's always an interesting dynamic. Yeah, but a lot of like Luthor comics just go, oh, I don't like Superman because he's more powerful than me. Yeah. And I, I kind of I kind of hate that. Um, but no, but I, I, I like think it. He, he's he's done really really well here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all Star Superman. Superman. It's great. It's you really probably good. know it's great. You probably read it. If you haven't, what are you doing? What are you doing? Be- it, become a believer today, <laughs> <laughs> or tomorrow, whenever you pick it up. I don't know. 
Um, cool, cool. All so right, I got just a couple more things to discuss. Um, so weekly, we're getting um, more of Jonathan Hickman's intriguing X Men run, and since it's been two weeks, we've got Powers of X issue one and Powers of X issues issue two. I'm not going to go super in depth because they're pretty recent comics, and like they're probably the biggest comics coming out right now. Like, I know that they're the best selling ones on um, Comicsology each week they come out, yeah. and they're kind of like there's a lot of discussion around them, so I'm not going to go super in depth. But um, Powers of X, I really liked. It's very different uh, kind of uh, setting and styling to House of X than I was expecting. Like, went in a very different different direction to what I was expecting it to go in. And but which I really really liked. Uh, it's hard to talk about this without spoiling it. But House of X issue two, like my mouth was like agape the whole time reading this issue. Like it's just it's insane. Basically, there's this massive twist which I'm not going to spoil. But it's, it completely changes, like, the X-Men from, like, their creation, like, all the way up until now. Like, it, it, it puts everything in such a, like, strange new perspective and, like, pushes forward the characters into a really interesting new era. And I can't wait to see where this goes. Like, Hickman is a genius with just, like, what he does with just, like, concepts like this. Like, he expands on them and just, like... Utilizes them, utilizes them to like the best of their ability, and it's just ah, it's so good. If you want to know how good this comic was to X Men fans, because I'm not a big X Men fan, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are. <laughs> Watching Jordan read this comic was low key <laughs> terrifying, because like every few seconds you'd be like, "Whoa, ah!" <laughs> like, well, it's me, just like I'm just, yeah, because yeah. I was just we all, we all have that comic, we all have that comic. That, that was yeah. me when I was reading Death Suit. That's pretty much me with any Hickman Hickman book. Like, it's just. Like, it's just always been just insane. And, like, very few issues have made me just be completely blown away that the House of X issue 2. Like, just wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just... Yeah, it's... Oh, man. No, Crazy. Com- comics are getting good. Comics are great. Yeah. Alright. What else you read? Oh. Um, another comic that John lent me, because John is pretty much my comic library at the <laughs> moment, because, you know... I don't live at home anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I got to read um, Black Beetle Black from Dark Beetle. Horse. Just yeah. give me a sec. He's just getting that, folks. He's grabbing it. It's in my hand. And I'm back. Um, this this uh, particular... Okay. Francesco... Francesco... Francovilla. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this particular one was called No Way Out. Yeah. Um, I don't know that much about Black Beetle. Has he had more runs? That, that's, that's, that's the only run. What you're holding okay. is it. <laughs> Aww. I know, it's sad. But... Um, but yeah, this comic, it's a very dark comic, but like in, in like the art style, pretty yeah. much. Like not, it's not overly edgy. He's, he's known for his kind of, that, that kind of, he's got a very specific style. Yeah. Like he's got a very like unique use of color. Like it's a very specific color palette he uses. Yeah. Like he, he writes and draws his, like, his own stuff. Well, at least for Black Beetle. Yeah. And it's kind of got this red and black kind of uh, look throughout the entire It, it uses a lot of purples, browns, and reds yeah, to yeah. kind of give this kind of night feel to it. Yeah. Um, the, but, characters, oh, the character design of Black Beetle is honestly... With this art style, it's honestly amazing. Yeah. Like, it's I, very pulpy. This whole book yeah. is especially like Nazis and like 30s era kind of superhero serials and stuff. Yeah, but like, he's... It's a dark comic and he's in a black costume, so a lot a lot of people might be concerned, like, oh no, how's he going to stick out if it's, if it's constantly nighttime? 
but he's in this red and black striking costume like his mm-hmm. costume is darker than the backgrounds yeah the red just stands out perfectly and mm-hmm. a lot of the characters actually have costumes that incorporate red yeah to make them stand out which is honestly if you don't it's not in your face so it gets distracting mm-hmm. but it makes all the action that more um it, like that more fluid like you can follow it a lot more easily yeah yeah um it's a really cool mystery it's kind of got this uh kind of it's kind of got this slight occult feel to it but that's not really the main focus yeah um it's more the main focus usually hellboy um a lot of hellboy's kind of a mix hellboy has that kind of occult kind of horror kind of stuff as well as the pulpy stuff yeah hellboy definitely focuses in my opinion a bit more on the occult yeah this one kind of focuses more on the pulp really yeah yeah um and it's very reminiscent of um, the Golden Age comics, like um, the original Sandman, mm-hmm. or like yeah, um, it's crazy. It's very original. Sandman, yeah. yeah, and I honestly love it. Like that, the old thing where like you've got pretty much a regular car, but like they paint it in a way that makes it their superhero car, which mm-hmm. I love. Um, the gadgets in this are like this kind of World War Two. It's they're high tech, but they're in this World War Two setting. So like yeah. a lot, of, like instead of having jetpacks, they've got like propeller. Mm-hmm. propeller packs and... yeah it's it's yeah it's so <laughs> yeah. much fun it's it's a fun story yeah. um it's a simple it's not well i don't want to call it simple but it's a straightforward well, fun yeah, story but the plot isn't isn't the greatest yeah. in it. i think what what's really drawing you in is just the world and like yeah. the, the art and i think it's just super good yeah it's um definitely a, a very stylish comic yeah and which it's, I it's love. only like one small kind of story so it's yeah. pretty pretty self-contained so you yeah. can read it um pick it up so we might be see a little more of Black Beetle. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'd definitely, I'd definitely like to see more of this world. I agree. Alright. Anything else? I've got no more comments list. to talk about. Got I'm just checking my list. Um, no, I think that's everything. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm going to be talking about the last uh, episode of uh, the DC Universe's Swamp Thing came recently. This is the third time this episode we've been talking about Swamp Thing, but I don't care because I love Swamp Thing. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> you might be robbed of my um, input on this one because... <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Well, that's for no fault of your own because it's <coughs> not available here. No, it's it's my fault. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, but I have been watching it on DC Universe through the power of um, VPN. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> VPN. Um, but it's yeah, it's it started uh, I don't know, like ten weeks ago now. Yeah, but like it was cancelled in an episode in, which that, is just that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it, like I think it was like even like the same day it came out. Like it was just immediately why though we don't know we still don't have any idea like there were there was rumors that it was like about um like some some tax stuff like maybe they didn't get didn't yeah. get enough money from where they were filming it but like apparently it sounds like the producers wanted to be to be more like cw shows which is not at all what something yes be. And it's a real shame because this is like the perfect something show like it's something's not really the, pr- the protagonist in it like he's yeah. one of the main characters i think the main character is abby arcane Oh yeah, played yeah, by yeah. Crystal Reed, and she is really, really great in this. She kind of, she's just like, kind of investigating all the stuff that's happening in this, in this small kind of town in like Southern America, and it's just, it's so good. Like, like it feels very expensive. This show. Yeah. I think <laughs> that might be one of the reasons why it's like it kind of, kind of got cut down a bit and then cancelled. If, if you've seen only the trailer, you can tell how expensive. Yeah, it, is. it feels like a very like prestige kind of yeah. show. Like it's very like, practical. Yeah, it is, and like a lot of like it's very horrific, and there's a lot of cool like sets and um, character and creature designs that all mm. look and feel really great. Like Swamp Thing's costume 
oh, it's breathtaking. Yeah. It looks it great. It blew like, my mind yeah, when I saw it. Yeah, it's got like moss and stuff all over it, and like it's it's really practical it's, too. It's not a CGI monstrosity exactly. like can, other well, I mean, other horror movies. I don't think there's anything wrong with CG. Yeah, I, I know, but like, like I think horror specifically is often best used yeah. with practical effects because there's something real and tangible there. Yeah, the the like, and I don't know. This is just another one of my weird weird sayings, but you know, in a horror movie, I kind of feel like the there needs to be some kind of actual horror there. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw the new um, Child's Play movie recently, mm-hmm. just to go off on a tangent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they actually used a few animatronics for it. Yeah. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, it's the best horror movie of all time, <laughs> because it's not. Yeah. But what it is, is it's a fun, creepy horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you get the chance, go give it a watch. Mark Hamill's in it, and Mark Hamill it was just... It's always great. He's my hero. Um... <laughs> But yeah, um, definitely give 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 it a watch. Yeah. Back to Swamp Thing. Yeah, back to Swamp Thing. Back um, to Swamp Thing. Yeah, so its final episode came out, uh, I think like two weeks ago, and yeah, it was it left some stuff that was kind of that could have been set like the post credit scene, which establishes spoiler alert the Floronic Man. Jason Wood oh. becomes the Floronic, Floronic Man. Well, you can't have Swamp Thing without Floronic yeah, Man. Yeah, really. but it's just it's just it's such a shame that we never got to that we're never going to see more of the show. It was just since they said. Like, there were going to be plans for three seasons, and then they're, not, they're going to do a Justice League Dark show. Oh, which is, like, yeah. kind of already set up here, because there's Swamp Thing, and then there's also other characters, like, there's Madame Xanadu, mm. there's, um, Blue Devil. Yes. The, Phan- the Phantom Strangers in a few episodes as well. Yeah, I saw I saw pictures of yeah, that. And yeah, and, like, like, they're all unique, like, very unique, different kind of takes on the characters, mm. but they work really, really well. But I think you could continue the show. Yeah. Like, you could just go straight to Justice League Dark show. Yeah. Like, the, the Swamp Thing show probably won't come back because all the crews kind of go on their separate ways. Everything's kind of backed down now. You could you could do a Justice League Dark show and give Swamp Thing, like, an arc. That yeah, kind of exactly. You can to... kind of wrap up the, the loose loose ends through that. I think that would be great. Also, yeah. I just want to see, like, Blue Devil in the TV show. Yeah, he's, he's so good. He, I love Blue man. Devil so much. Yeah, he's really great. And it just... It's such a... Like, it's just... Ah, uh, it's... Yeah. I think, like, DC Universe feels like a service specifically catered to my tastes. Like, <laughs> Young Justice coming back. Oh, yeah. Super, like, super pumped about that. I love Doom Patrol, and we've got, like, the perfect version of Doom Patrol on screen. I also love, like, Swamp Thing and, like, old, like, horror movies and stuff. And those are basically combined for this great show. Mm. And then we're getting, like, Stargirl next year, who's one of my favourite characters. It's just, ah. Uh, it's so cool. Okay. He's, he's, he's basically my summary of the DC streaming service because I've, I've definitely haven't had as much of an exposure to it as you have. Yeah. But if you're into the darker, more bizarre, twisted side of the DC universe, yeah. give it a chance. And if, if you're into the lighter stuff, just wait a little bit until we get Stargirl and then you'll probably jump yeah. on board as well. I mean, well. like, there is enough light stuff as well. Like, Young yeah. Justice is a bit lighter. It's we're, we're getting the Harley Quinn animated show. Oh, yeah, that looks good. great. Yeah. Yeah, I, have I like how they, they, they're taking chances on the service. Yeah. Like, they're doing more obscure, kind of more out there ideas and characters and stuff. Mm. It feels like producers at Warner Brothers don't really want that, sadly. Which is a real shame, because, like, these, like, like really, really high-quality stuff, for the most part, Titan Season 1 wasn't great. I think Warner Brothers is improving, though. Yeah. I think, I think the DC... Cinematic yeah. Universe is definitely on the uprise with Shazam. I mean, I think... I think Shazam was a bit of a turning point. I think the universe is done. I think the movie Yeah, I know, I know, but like, I, I want, I want to see more Shazam. That'd yeah. be great. Or maybe, maybe more Aquaman, because I know yeah, for yeah. a fact you'd like to see more Aquaman. I would love to see Aquaman, because Aquaman yeah. is the best. He, but yeah, yeah, I'm just, it's just so sad that when, that like, this, the series was cut short before you even had a chance to really cultivate an audience. Like, yeah. I know a lot of people haven't been wanting to see this now, because 
you know, it like it was cancelled uh, and it was an episode in, so people were just like like why bother then if if, if it's not gonna continue. But if this is a pretty great self contained season. Like you like there are some things that could be set up later, but it is like a singular kind of ten episode story, which I think is really really well really well worth um watching if you can. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that's us. That's us. That's the show. Thanks for thanks for listening again to our us rambling about comics that we like. Yep. And other stuff. Now on a closing note, you know, I might have been a bit harsh at the start <laughs> of the at the start of the podcast about um a certain type of animal. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have some kind of a uh, connection to marsupials or anything, um, uh, I'm so sorry. Um, no, I no. still hate them though. I still hate marsupials. <laughs> Why do you carry your babies around with you? Just order a sitter. Be like an elephant or something, or a lion, and have babysitters. You are idiots. I'm so sorry. And that's been Comic Frequency. Thank yeah, you for watching, listening, whatever. Have a good time. Don't be a marsupial. Great job. <laughs>